0: Hey app growth community, welcome back to the app growth show where we host mobile experts to unlock valuable and actionable insights on how you can grow your app. No matter where you are in your app growth journey, we're here to help you reach your mobile growth goals. Let's dive right into today's episode.
1: From the moment we wake until the end of the day. Mobile apps are a continuous part of our lives, whether you're managing life's business or simply enjoying its pleasures, life gets better with better app experiences. No one knows more, does more, or cares more about helping leading brands master mobile app experiences than Airship.
0: Today, we're so excited to be joined by two special guests, Thomas Butta, chief strategy and marketing officer at Airship and Corey Galt, Senior Director of Corporate Communications at Airship. If you're not familiar with Airship already, they're an app experience platform that has been here since the beginning of apps. Today, they're powering trillions of app interactions for global brands to achieve their mission to go where mobile will take your business. Let's welcome Tom, Corey and Jennifer.
2: Hello, this is Jennifer Sansone from App Growth Network and welcome to another episode of the App Growth Show today we're lucky enough to be joined by two outstanding guests we have tom and corey from airship hello tom and corey how are you doing and welcome
1: Oh, thank you thank you for having us here doing well thanks
2: great um so to get us started um could you tell us a bit about yourselves and about airship
1: uh sure corey maybe i'll kick it off uh so um uh, so uh, I can go really far back if you want, but, um, but I'm, the, I'm, I'm um, like the grandson of Italian immigrants who came to this country, um, at the turn of the century and, um, and, you know, made a new life for themselves. Um, and it's kind of interesting, but a lot of the, um, companies that I've gone to work for, um, and in the last 20 years have been in the role of, you know, running, running marketing and, 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 and go-to-market strategy and, and, and all the things that go with it. Um, I've, I've been, um, I've been attracted to the companies that are disrupting how things have been and looking for, looking to create something better or something newer. Um, call those challenger brands, you know, call that the sort of, you know, the, the great American dream that, you know, the immigrants were pursuing um, call that, you know, innovation, but, um, I, but each of those companies has been taking on usually a dominant sort of way that things have been and trying to do things better. Um, and in many cases have been successful. Um, and, and what's it's interesting about uh, my recently, but uh, the recent announcement of me joining um, airship is, you know, air, a lot of the things that I've worked on in my career, all of which in technology have been around software, has, seems to have sort of come together to, to, at this moment. You know, so when I was back at Red Hat, like which was the classic, you know, open source software compared to you know the Microsofts of the world that was you know proprietary software, you wouldn't get a you wouldn't get a bug fix for two 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 and a half years um, in those days, and and with open source. It completely changed the, the idea of software development so that people could more rapidly innovate um, because they were c- continuously catching and changing um, the software to, to reduce bugs and improve innovation. Um, now, everything that we are interacting with today, including the vehicles that, that we drive and, and much of what makes things go is, is th- enabled but through software. You know, Mark Andreessen famously said, you know, software is eating the world. Well, software, not only is eating the world, but software is actually what is, what is ultimately behind much of the customer experience that we have today, because we all live, you know, we live on our, we live on our phones and we live inside of these phones in the, in, in the world of apps from morning to, to tonight, from when we wake until we go to sleep and throughout the day. And the experience that we have with those apps um, determines how we feel about the brand who's bringing that functionality to us, um, and so <clears throat> I believe that Airship, you know, which is, has been on the front lines of 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 mobile and and of and of mobile apps from really the beginning, um, is really really well positioned now to um, you know to continue to elevate what it's been doing for some of the leading brands like you know Starbucks and Chipotle and others. Um, that it's been working with for, you know, for um, 10, 11, 12 years.
2: Great. Corey, did, did you want to tell us a little bit about about your role at Airship?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> yeah,
3: I've been at Airship. Uh, it'll be a decade as of next month. So uh, really almost since the beginning, um, you know, and, and in that in that time. Right. I've led our media uh, and analyst relations efforts. Um, you know, and really, really focused on helping brands understand how rapidly uh, consumers' behaviors are changing, and how critical mobile apps have become to the customer experience today. Um, so, very happy to uh, have a uh, expert like Tom on the team now, and I'm um, and, and really excited about uh, a lot of the new things that we're coming out with. Um, I think one of the reasons I'm joining Tom today is we just recently produced a uh, report uh, that covers the results of a survey we issued uh, uh, to over 9,000 consumers across the globe to really key in on how their behaviors and expectations with brands and the digital interactions they have with those brands are changing.
2: Uh, Yeah, thank you actually for uh, bringing up that uh, consumer survey report because I'd like to dive into that a little bit more. Um, You know, during the pandemic, we obviously saw a really huge surge in in app usage, just pretty much across all verticals. And um, with this global consumer survey report that you just mentioned, you talk about several insights that can help brands optimize their app experience initiatives. So can you share with us and our listeners um, a little bit more about how we can leverage some of these insights to optimize the, the app user experience?
1: Corey, you want to kick us off? Yeah, absolutely.
3: I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that we looked at, obviously, at Airship, right, we've we've got, uh, you know, thousands of brands using our platform, we power trillions of interactions for them. Um, And, you know, we have through our own platform data have seen those audiences grow incredibly, I think, uh, from, uh, you know, we saw double the growth rate in global active app users from uh, 2019 to 2020. So part of this survey was to really understand, you know, how, how is the pandemic and even as some of the, you know, um, as, as the economy starts to open up, right? And as, as, as some, of, some of the restrictions that the pandemic caused have, have started to decline, has that behavior changed, right? And what we've seen um, is that across most every app category Um, They're all seeing, you know, you know, that 75%, you know, of consumers are using each of those apps, you know, as much or if not more than they were um, prior to the pandemic, right? And I think it's all very simple for all of us to understand because we're all experiencing the same thing, right? It, apps help make transactions faster, right? They offer streamlined conveniences, whether that's curbside pickup, um, or whether that's imagining how that next piece of furniture is going to look in your living room before before you have it, right? And um, and so I think you know what we really delved in into with this study um, is 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 really you know why you know why are brand why are why are companies or I'm sorry why are consumers really de- developing this preference for apps? Right. How and why do they opt in to communications, which is why I think what makes apps so powerful because companies can proactively um, reach out to consumers wherever they are, right? Why do, they, why, why do consumers then opt out of, of those um, direct connections that they establish? And what are the things that are really important to them kind of going forward, um, whether that's uh, the types of, act, of activities they'll use those apps to complete within, you know, while they're shopping in that retailer's brick and mortar store um, or, you know, what will make them more receptive to, you know, to um, having that direct connection.
1: Yeah. I think, I think one of the highlights um, of, of the survey was, was uh, trying to uncover what is it about um, the relationship between the consumer and the brand that is driving apps to to be creating, you know, three times more um, likelihood to 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 have a repeat purchase or you know much greater loyalty, and I and I think it's because there's there's a there's a willingness on the part of the on the part of the the consumer and the part of us to share information in order to get a better more customized personalized experience. And to do so, you know, I mean, you're operating in a very constrained space, so things have to be efficient, right? And 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 you know, if they're efficient and if they're personalized, um, then you know, and and you're rewarded for some form of loyalty, then you're going to, then you're going to be more likely to to um, to work to work with that brand, and if that brand also is ignoring you, you downloaded the app, you, you opened it, you signed up, and you didn't do anything. And that brand has ignored the fact that you have actually taken those actions. In other words, you know, you visited, but you didn't, you haven't been back, or they haven't even said, thank you for visiting us. Is there anything we can do for you? Then there's this extraordinary, I forget the exact number, but this extraordinary drop off of, uh, of people who try an app and then, and then actually never go back. And a lot of it has simply to do with whether or not the brand actually says hello and or thank you for stopping by. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's fundamental. I mean, it's just fundamental human behavior, actually.
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's super interesting when you, you bring it up in that way. Um, and just kind of ex- uh, going a little bit further into this topic of communication um, and being able to opt in or opt out you know privacy obviously is such a huge issue in the mobile industry especially you know in the last couple of years um and with all these new privacy regulations you know users just have so much more control over opting in or opting out of communications that brands want to have with consumers within the app can you tell us um how Airship helps apps maximize conversion rates while protecting users' privacy.
1: Well, first of all, you know the idea of third-party data, um, which is um, probably most prevalent in the uh, retargeting advertising game. Um, so, uh, is something that is no longer going to necessarily be allowed. Um, to me, I, I've always, I've always, I've always, even though there's, it, it's, it's, it's a practiced um, technique. I've, I've always felt like it was the lazy, lazy man's, lazy person's uh, take on, on on doing marketing. For example, you go to a, I don't know, a a, mass, a mattress store to buy a mattress, right? And or you 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 investigate it online or you know through various. Um, apps and um, but particularly online and you you get some recommendations places to visit um, and 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 so you go to a website maybe you sign up um, and then maybe you actually buy something but what winds up happening is wherever you go after that including to your you know restaurant reviews or your your sports network or or your news channels you're getting ads about mattresses. And it's like, uh, how many mattresses do you think I'm going to buy? Like, I just bought one. Like I'm not about to go buy another one. Like it's just it's just because you visited, you got cookied, right? third party data, and you know, they're using that information to, quote unquote, target you. They're not targeting you. They're targeting this in you know, these pixels that happen to have represented the fact that you stopped by. And did something on that website. <clears throat> so the idea now of first-party data um, or zero-party data is, 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 is really where the world is going, right? It's, it's, and that kind of information is gleaned through these direct interactions, right, with the primary brand uh, destination, whether that's being captured in store across an owned company website, like you've signed up, or within the app. Oh, and what's interesting about the app is that you're self-authenticating all the time, and, um, and that's, that's kind of, a, you know, a, fa- a fascinating benefit, um, which actually has some, you know, chief information security officers very interested in, um, in leveraging apps because it's actually a more secure environment. So, so maybe maybe or you can talk about the kinds of things that, you know, that can be done to yeah. generate more of that first party um, data, right? Yeah. And I, th-
3: I think, you know, if you look out at brands today, right, like loyalty programs are probably the number one initiative they use yep. to try to collect that first party data. Um, but more than half of loyalty program memberships are actually inactive, right? And so what we've started to see a lot, right, is where companies place that loyalty program at the center of their app, gives them that opportunity to have like regular care and feeding of that program and establish, you know, more, you know, more progressive insights around their customers um, and, and really understand and even give consumers a greater choice of like, of options of how do you want to redeem these rewards and you know, lots of companies now gamifying the experience through their rewards. I think we've we have several uh, customers like Chipotle, right, that have seen forty percent growth in their loyalty program over the last year. I think they now have twenty four and a half million uh, loyalty program members, and they continue to do things through their app, right? Like, well, they they knew, for example, that quesadillas were one of the hottest menu items that their customers have been clamoring, clamoring for for years. And they only offered that capability to now buy one um, through through their app or through their website. And and part of the reasons had to do actually with that quesadillas take a long time to make. (laughs) But I think more than that, right, um, by actually rewarding people through their app uh, that are are their loyalty members, right, they're continuing to grow that value exchange, um, and I think, you know, the app has an inherent capability to bring people back into that conversation more readily than any other form of, of brand communication today. One of the interesting things we saw through our survey is that um, one out of two people always or often ignore emails that they subscribe to from brands, right? Email has become this sort of arduous, you know, just clamored inbox. Um, where people are constantly trying to hammer you with things and it's just not a very personalized experience right even if they address me by name right they they're really not kind of connecting the dots with my latest behavior and um, and you know and then and even being proactive about what they think um, that I would be interested in next. And I think one of the things that we saw was that more than 40% of of these 9,000 consumers that we surveyed um, would be actually more likely to continue receiving brand communications if they could have have control over the purpose, the frequency, and the channel of communications. Right? They're more likely to provide those preferences than they are traditional things like their postal address or their demographics. And I think one of the more, even more amazing things, given Tom's retargeting comments, right, um, I think, you know, a lot of marketers have looked to people's social profiles as just being this wealth of information that they're just going to tap into, or what we've seen this year, right, with Apple's uh, app tracking transparency and now and now uh, apps being required to actually ask users to opt in to share their activity across all of these unrelated websites and apps. I mean, to me, that sounds like a lot like data harvesting and data mining without enough of a kind of personal benefit. And so we actually saw that um, activity across unrelated websites, as well as information from social profiles were two of the least likely things that consumers actually wanted to share with a brand for special and for, for either personalized interactions or special incentives. There were many, many more consumers actually willing to share their social values, which we defined as um, environmental, uh, moral, political, and religious, right? And if you think about the intimacy of that type of data, right, it's much, it's a much stronger basis to try to form a direct connection with a consumer than anything I might be able to harvest from Tom's Facebook page, right?
1: Yeah. You want to do business with me? You need to get to know me and you need to get to know what's important to me about me, you know, what I care about, what I value.
3: And give me something in return, right? Right. Because it's not a one-way street anymore. Consumers are in control of the information that they'll provide. Um, And a brand should not only, you know, honor that, but like, value it, right? And this is why, you know, uh, our our new app experience platform now gives uh, marketers, uh, developers, mobile product owners, the ability to create, you know, very customized preference centers, um, gives them the ability to create surveys within the app. um, And, um, and, and to do all of that, right, in a progressive and like, agile fashion, without involving, you know, developers uh, necessarily, or having to do you know cyclical app updates uh, within either the App Store or Google Play.
2: Well, this is it's very interesting. All of these findings, um, especially with you know people, what the the information they're willing to divulge to get the right type of communication. Um, and you touched a bit about you know loyalty programs and gamification. Are there any other re engagement strategies that um, you guys See, are are beneficial for apps. Whether it, is it push notifications or what type of communication seem to to resonate the best?
1: Uh, well, I think the 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 ability to provide information when that information is important to to receive is something that will always have value. I mean, think about you know. Think about the notifications now that you get. You know, man- managing the, the entire sort of flying experience from from it's time to it's time to check in, right? To um, you know, your flight is at such and such a gate. Um, your flight is departing. Uh, boarding is going to close. Um, there is a delay, or your gate has changed. I mean, this is hugely valuable information. In fact, it's so valuable it is welcomed. Thank you, right? And you know nobody prints a boarding pass anymore. It's all again. There's an app for that, right? And um, and that kind of welcomed in the moment, valuable information, I think, is 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 the kind of thing that will endear someone to a brand. And 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 frankly, the the idea of of, of actually purchasing a ticket. Um, in and in, in, in through an app for, for an airline years ago was unheard of. And because many of them simply um, took, the, took the experience that they were used to doing on a website um, and they transferred it to an app. Well, you use an app in a very different way than, than, than you would use a website. In much the same way that when websites came out, a lot of marketers said, oh, we'll just take all of our content and we'll just put it on the website. Well, that's not how people consume digitally, right? So, um, so being, being, um, sensitive to, you know, how, how you use each of these really these destinations, um, and, um, you know, what you do, you know, what you do in a store versus what you do on an app, um, is very, very different. And, um, and in fact, that's actually a pretty interesting set of data points, which is, (laughs) um, we found that when people go shopping, and it and it and it and it, it's definitely accentuated in the, with younger audiences. Um, when they literally go to a physical store, they're also on their app, with that store's app, right? And it, it's like it's it's just become a guide or an aid, um, you know, to them. And, and particularly in particularly in the big the bigger box stores. Um, In some cases, they even provide. They even, you know, the app also provides you guidance as to where to find that particular item that you have just put in your shopping cart, your digital in-app shopping cart. That you can find that item, you know, in aisle three, bay four, you know, bottom row. Otherwise, you have to try to find somebody to (laughs) to find out where it, you know, to discover where it is.
3: Yeah, and I think, you know, just to provide you a little bit of commentary, you know, around the specific channels of interaction, right? I think, you know, we've done a lot of data studies in the past, right, across the, the massive number of apps that, that uh, leverage our platform. And, and certainly we have seen, right, that the users who opt in to receive notifications are retained three times longer than users who receive no notifications, Right. But I think, you know, what Tom was talking about, about using that app in store, it's like not every, I like to say, not every push deserves a shove, right? Um, certainly, you know, being able to interact in, in proactive and anticipatory ways on the on the smartphone lock screen, which is what push notifications offer is incredibly value, valuable, but doing that all of the time, right, certainly would uh, create a, a lot of friction you know, with those users. And in a lot of cases, you know, being able to reach them in the app, whether that's through, you know, message centers or in-app messaging, right? You're actually engaging with that consumer while they're already focused on your brand. Um, And all of that, you know, all of those messages can be triggered and tailored according to what is that person actually doing right now within your app in session, right? And so that can be a very powerful way uh, to engage audiences without being this kind of constant annoying sort of, you know, ping on a phone that requires me to then glance down and, and, and see what we're doing. And in fact, you know, it's been a, it's been a, a couple of years since we've done this particular study, but um, we saw that interactions with in-app messaging can have like up to eight times greater response rates than interactions with notifications themselves, even though you know, the latter is certainly very powerful, um, in and of itself.
2: Yeah, that's very interesting. I like how you said how not every push deserves a shove. Um, I think it's, it's about that balance, right? And knowing who your consumer is and what their preferences are. Um, it's so valuable. um, um less is sometimes more and more is not always better. Right. Um, but, um, Thank you so much to both of you for all of these incredible insights and for talking about your, um, your survey, which we'll have some information here about how to find that. Um, and we'll also have information on how to reach you both. So as we sign off, I just wanted to give you both a big thank you and to Airship for uh, the wonderful service that you provide to your customers. And thank you for joining us.
3: Uh, thank you for having us.
1: Yeah. Thank you. I think if there's, you know, if there's one takeaway, I, I would just leave your listeners with, and that is, um, you know, one of the biggest mistakes that, that I think people need to overcome today is to think about an app as a promotional channel. It's not. The app is a destination. In fact, it's becoming a preferred destination for most consumers today and certainly will in the future. Um, and I think that's that's the way you have to think about it.
2: That's a wonderful parting thought. Thank you so much for that, Tom, and thank you for your time.
1: Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for joining today's episode of the App Growth Show. We hope you were able to take away some actionable insights for your customer engagement strategy. If you're interested in reading more about Airship's global consumer survey, please check out the link in the show notes below. If you found today's episode to be helpful, please visit appgrowthnetwork.com and that's appgrowthnetwork.com and book your free call with us today to supercharge your mobile growth. See you in the next episode. Bye for now. You can now listen to this episode on Newsly, a powerful audio news aggregator that will keep you engaged with valuable information. Even better, you can now download it for free from www.newsly.me and get a one-month free premium subscription by using our exclusive promo code AGNP0D2021. And that's AGNP0D2021 to enable a distraction-free listening experience.